Now that's more like it. The Celtics go from zeros to heroes, following up a disappointing loss by the Bay with a signature win in Sacto. Can they bring the same effort to L.A.? Now it's clear that the Celtics are going to live or die by the three. Why Kristaps Porzingis is so important to Boston's title hopes. Plus, what Christmas gift should Santa bring your favorite Celtic this year? We'll discuss inside Lucky's Lounge. The Boston Celtics are one of the best teams in the NBA, if not the best, and they can blow out any team on any given night in their building. Any questions? I'm Captain Ron Flanders, everybody. You're inside Lucky's Lounge with Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, 24 hours ago, it was pretty deep, dampened spirits in New England and Celtic Nation around the world. 24 hours later, uh, people are, again, feeling good about this team. How are you feeling after a 144 to 119 drubbing of the Kings in, uh, I don't even know what they call that building anymore, the light, the beam palace, whatever it is. Uh, Celtics getting a signature win on the road without Jason Tatum. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I like how the team performed and bounced back after that horrendous overtime loss to the Warriors. And uh, the boys came out and showed up. Boy, did they. Uh, we'll get to that Warrior loss in a second because I want to ask you, did it mean anything in the grand scheme of things? But the Celtics came into this game tonight losers of four consecutive games on the road. You know, that 14-0 and home record looks really good, but when you consider that the Celtics were a 500 team on the road and they lost to a team with a losing record in Golden State, then during that game, Jason Tatum tweaks his left ankle, uh, probably would have played if it was a playoff game tonight, but they choose to put Sam Hauser in his stead. No Tatum, no Cornette, no Al Horford, of course, in the second night of a back-to-back. And by the way, De'Aaron Fox, who is going to be an all-star this year, I think he had about 26 points in the first half. I think he had 21 in the first quarter. So the Celtics, you know, they got into a little bit of a shootout with the Kings in the first quarter, losing the first quarter 41-38. to And uh, Dennis Scott on NBA TV, I, I assume you watched it on NBC Sports Boston, but on NBA TV, Dennis Scott called it shooter's paradise as the threes were splashing from all over. The only problem for Sacramento was theirs stopped falling and Boston's kept going all night. Yeah, it was a lot of back and forth, especially with the threes. I feel like White or Pritchard would hit one and then go. we'd go down to the other side of the court and Fox or Keegan Murray would hit one. Uh, it was electric to see offensively. It was a lot of back and forth, but the defense really stepped up and uh, shut down the Kings late. Yeah, I mean, th- this game was really over in the third quarter, Guillermo. I thought the Celtics won the game in the second quarter, and it was defense. I mean, if you look at the shooting numbers, if you didn't watch the game and you say, wow, the Kings shot 47%, they made 21 threes, also 47%. Uh, and they, you know, that that's those are pretty good numbers. They had 29 assists on their 43 baskets. But that doesn't really take into account the first quarter. If you take the first quarter out of that, the Celtics played spirited defense. And I think 
Obviously, Drew Holiday and Derek White were huge again. But Chris stops Porzingis, the centerpiece of the Celtics defense. And against the, a guy in DeMontis Sabonis, who usually does the Celtics a great deal of harm, Porzingis stepped in there. He took a lot of physical punishment, but he meted out a lot himself, blocking six shots, denying the Kings in the rim over and over again. Um, I think the Celtics defense was actually fantastic for most of this game. Yeah, even with Kata, this is Kata's second of the back-to-back. I thought he played well against the Warriors, and then he stepped up tonight and played well. I know McGee was giving him fits late in the game, but I thought his early minutes on, he was electric and exactly what we needed in terms of a second big man with Horford and Cornette out. And for me, I mean, the bench, I mean, Pritchard coming in, Getting some big timely shots and running a good offense. And the getting after the loose balls was really big this time around. Even though I think against the Warriors, we did pretty good about getting offensive rebounds. But in this game, I felt like they were, you know, throwing the ball back in right before falling out of bounds a couple times. I know Svee did it. And then you go out and transition and JB's hard to stop in transition. Yeah, Mikhailuk had a, an excellent steal where he intercepted a pass, was going out of bounds, flipped it behind his back, and the Celtics scored there. They out-rebounded the Kings tonight, 54-50, to 14 offensive rebounds. Um, it, it was a great game. Our tweet of the week uh, is from Dick Leip. Dick Leip is the statistician for Mike Gorman and, and pretty much re- referred to as the stats wizard for the Celtics. And you know, how good were the Celtics last night? Well, they broke X because after, uh, you know, this performance, a lot of the haters were were pulling their hair out saying, well, you know, sure, they can do this when there's no pressure on them or whatever. And, and some of the rants, it just broke X. So I can't really bring up the tweet. But essentially, he said, if I can remember it correctly, that the Celtics last night had five players score 20 or more points. You see this a lot where they say, well, the Celtics put this many players in double figures, and that's that's the mark of a balanced team. But the Celtics had five, not only with double figures, but with 20 or more. According to Leip, I think it's the sixth time in Celtic history that they've ever done it. And the last time they did it, the five players, I think, were Ainge, Johnson, Bird, Parrish, McHale. Last night, Jalen Brown, 28 points. Derek White, 28 points. Drew Holiday, 21 points. Kristaps Porzingis, 24. And Peyton Pritchard, who got our unsung hero of the game, he had 20 points, including six made threes. Guillermo, between those five players, including one who was a bench player, let me do the math on this, uh, well, that's about 120 points. And that's tremendous without Horford and without Tatum. And we talk about this all the time, that any guy can come in, step up, get hot. Um, I mean, it could have been Hauser. I know he missed all his threes last or the night before, but you just never know who it could be on any given night. And for the team to just play this way and offensively assist each other they were moving 
Like that's the Celtic basketball we want to see. And we've been talking about and not, you know, kind of treading water and playing not to lose like they did the night before. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I think it was more because they targeted Curry yeah. and maybe Jason Tatum, maybe the injury affected him to where he limited himself, but the Celtics tonight, 22 of 42 from deep. And if you watch that Golden State game and Derek White in the first three and a half quarters and how he was shooting, I think he had another, what, six threes tonight, Guillermo? Yeah. Uh, you have to watch this team and say, my God, if they can shoot like this, we don't have a chance against them. I mean, in the last two games on the West Coast in California – the Celtics shot 100 three-pointer attempts, and uh, they made 39 of them, which is, is not a bad figure, 39%. Um, it, it, they lead the league in three-point attempts and three-point makes, and percentage of threes as, as a percentage of their team's points. So it's clear that Boston is going to live by the three. They're going to die by the three. They died by it on Tuesday night, but... On Wednesday night, they completely obliterated Sacramento. Yeah, that's the MO of Missoula Ball, live and die by the three, 58 threes against the Warriors. And I'm okay with the threes. I'm not, like, upset with the threes. It's sometimes how they go about taking the threes. Like, tonight, I thought they moved the ball, they spread the floor, and they took well timely shots and I feel like against the Warriors they had some of that and it didn't fall but some of it was just settling and chucking up and no ball movement the sequence that everybody agonizingly played over and over again in their DVRs I I watched it about three times this morning (laughs) over breakfast was when Derek White who up to that point had been incredible with a three-point shot Missed a clean look from the right break. And I believe it was Holiday who got the rebound, threw it out to Tatum. Tatum took a bad three. It was contested. Kata got the rebound, I think it was. Uh, threw it back out to White. White missed an even better three, more wide open. They got the rebound again. It Back to Tatum, who hit Jalen who basically, you know, on the closeout, beat his man, was coming in, and missed right. an uncontested layup. Right. After the game, Joe Missoula said, look, I was happy with the way that we played. We missed 20 layups, yeah. and we missed 41 threes, which, by the way, is a Celtic record in the history of the franchise. They've never missed more threes. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to far, find any team in NBA history that's missed more than 41 threes in a game. But uh, Missoula said, I'll live with that. And as we saw on Wednesday night against Sacramento, uh, it's not going to happen very often where they miss that many. Yeah, it won't happen uh, that often. We know we have shooters. We know the Celtics can spread the floor. And when they're moving around the floor, setting screens, and just breaking down defenses by moving the ball, that's when they're going to get those great opportunities to shoot. And that's what we want from them each and every night, whether it's the starting five or the main three off the bench. 
with uh, Horford, Hauser, and Pritchard? The difference between tonight and last night, there were many of them. I thought the Celtics defended much better against Sacramento, and you could argue that Sacramento is a more lethal offensive team, especially in their arena. But you think you think that has to do with Porzingis playing? I do. I think okay. Porzingis's defense was amazing. I also think that offensively, Porzingis, you know, he made a lot of things happen. He got to the yeah. line eight times, and because they can space you out and run that pick and roll action, uh, you know, he gets these mismatches. I think there were yeah. plays where he had Kevin Herter have to switch on to him. A couple of times, Porzingis posted him up so effective down there. His points per possession on post-ups is one of the best in the league. And their offense just, you know, this is nothing against Jason Tatum because obviously he's our best player and our most lethal offensive player. But when he's not out there, in some ways, the Celtics are harder to guard, especially when Jalen Brown is just moving the ball. They really didn't know who to stop. I mean, Drew Holiday had maybe his best offensive game of the season. Peyton Pritchard, six threes. Hauser's shot came back. Uh, It was was a thing of beauty, Guillermo. I I don't know if many teams are going to be able to stop us with Porzingis in the game and everybody just feeding off him like that. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Jalen Brown reaching 9,000 career points. I know we talked a lot about him last pod. But just talk to me about how you were feeling about him still. He's still on a tear for me. I think he's leading the group defensively and brings the energy with these dunks, Cap. Like, you gotta, he's gotta be like the best dunker in the league, besides maybe an Anthony Edwards or a John Morant on any given night. But wow, this guy, how could you not love his dunks on your team? It's electric. Well, I'm not a big dunking guy, but I have to say that this season I've noticed more, I mean, because it's Jalen Brown, I'll call them energy-shifting dunks that have completely energized the crowd. I I honestly think it's one of the reasons we're so good at home is because Jalen can charge up any (laughs) crowd. He's been doing it. You know, there's a lot of things, and we talked about it last week, his numbers are not that much better. In fact, they're a little bit off. And I'm not talking about counting statistics. I'm talking about shooting splits. But to me, just from an eye test, Jalen Brown is playing smarter, more efficiently. Yeah. He's got a left left hand. Uh, Well, he finishes very well with his left. (laughs) Um, Listen, he's doing everything that you would expect. And he's added a couple of things. I mean, I like his new up and under that he's doing. Mm. Um, he's passing it more smartly. Yeah. And, you know, there, there were a couple of plays tonight where, and last night too, where you would have thought, all right, he's going to take it one on three. And sometimes he'll do that and he'll maybe get fouled or finish. Cause he's a great transition fish, finisher, but more, a lot of times he'll get rejected or he'll just come up short no, he, he's being more judicious about that, and he's making better passes. So I think he's having his best season as a Celtic. And it's not just the numbers. It's not just what he's doing on the court. It's really his focus. 
and the things that he's saying and the example that he's setting. Because, you know, he's one of the oldest guys on this team in terms of he's the longest tenured Celtic. There's a lot of young players on this team. And he, in many ways, he's the elder statesman, him and Horford. And they look to Jalen, and, and he's really he's really doing great things. Yeah, I don't know if you caught, but uh, Brissett, you know, has a little YouTube channel that he does. And uh, Jalen Brown invited Porzingis V, Banton, and Brissett out to Miami to go view some art and kind of hang out. And that was when they had the kind of the break there in between the, the Pacers and Knicks games. Um, I thought that was huge. That's team bonding throughout the season, doing something together that's different away from Boston and kind of on their own. So I thought that was cool to kind of see um, some behind the scenes that Brissett posted. Yeah, he he's definitely, you know, being a leader. I, I don't, I don't think the Celtics have actually had officially a team captain since Rondo truth. left. Uh, I thought the truth was the last captain. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. I I don't remember if Rondo was or not. I, I think mm. he might have been after after Paul left. But regardless, it was that last team. And, yeah. and so they haven't really had one. Marcus Smart, we know, was the heart and soul of the team. But Jalen Brown is really doing a lot. Yeah. To uh, to do that. And it, it was great to see Tatum on the on the uh, sideline. He hates uh, being on the bench, though. You can see it in his face. Yeah, he, he wasn't happy. But, you know, <laughs> and I see people saying, oh, we should have played Porzingis. We, you know, listen, you can't it's, take any risks with this. Yeah. Team. Yeah. And so resting guys, you know, it's great because it gives them an opportunity to play this tonight. Guillermo was the Celtics ninth different starting lineup you know our death lineup is 14 and one this you know holiday white brown tatum porzingis 14 and one as starters but we've had eight other lineups and tonight was our ninth one and and uh you know michaela got to play 16 minutes everybody was playing and you did see tatum smile i think when brissette made a a big play you know he smiled a little bit but he wanted to be out there um one thing before we go to break, sure. Porzingis, there was a flagrant foul called, I think, on DeMontis Sabonis or Kevin Herter, one of these guys coming up under him on one of these shots. He went down. Uh, he got back up gingerly. He limped through the game. I mean, he was physically limping at times, um, but he had a phenomenal game. He got our Shamrock show out for the game with 24 points, nine rebounds, and six blocks. He was plus 22 in 29 minutes. But it's a good thing we don't play till Saturday, Guillermo, because I'm very concerned about his health. Yeah, he had a huge third quarter, plus 15 in that third quarter. I believe he had like 12 points um, and something that we needed just to kind of let the Kings know we weren't going to, you know, let them back into this game. And, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to manage Porzingis almost like a Rob Williams. Uh, I think just it's going to linger throughout the season. Uh, We just got to hope that it doesn't, you know, turn for the worse. And I think it's okay. We have Horford. We have Kata, who's been electric the last couple games. And we know we have Cornette, who's out right now, but is serviceable as a big 
I mean, we saw Stevens come in and play big. We saw Brissett come in the last couple games and has been electric, both defensively and offensively. And I think he also kind of brings a type of energy to the team as well. He does, and Kata has been great. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Celtics' late-game collapse in Golden State, and what would you give your favorite Celtic for Christmas this year if you were Santa Claus? We'll talk about that and more when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, everybody. Captain Ron Flanders here with Guillermo Diaz. We want to thank you, the fans, for continuing to spread the word about our podcast. Guillermo, I'm noticing our subscribership is up on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're also on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. And so thank you for telling your friends about us. And and uh, we hope that you continue to give us those five-star ratings. Guillermo, uh, one of the things that made me the most impressed, I think, about the Celtics last night and the blowout win of the Kings was the toughness they exhibited because I got to tell you, there's probably nobody I'd least, uh, there's probably nobody I'd hate getting hit by more than DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, a big block of granite coming through the lane in the first quarter. And he delivered some very hard blows to the head of Kristaps Porzingis and Jalen Brown in the first quarter. And they didn't get mad. They did not only get mad, they got even. Uh, it was a, it was a really great performance, and uh, it was partly in response to the physicality that Sacramento showed. Boston did not back down at all. Some teams do. Yeah, I mean, KP was bleeding at one point, and it's just good to see these guys be able to take that that battle, that physicality, and bring it right back to the teams. That's what teams want to do to the Celtics anyway. That's been kind of the MO, especially these Western Conference teams. They want to be physical with the Celtics and hey, let's let's fight fire with fire and be physical right back. As I mentioned, very concerned about the health of Kristaps Porzingis, who went down after that flagrant foul, got up, made the free throws, and limped around for 29 minutes of action. But after the game, he was talking to Dennis Scott of NBA TV and he said to D3, it feels all right. Pretty good role, but I just kept playing through it. It was a physical game. It was a fun physical game, and I love how we came out for the second half and that third quarter. That was, as our coach likes to say, Celtics basketball, Guillermo. He said this with a smile on his face. The guy loves being a Celtic, and we love having him on the team. Yeah, I love Porzingis. His energy is so much fun especially if he's on the bench and not being able to play. he He's kind of like Cornette on the bench, a lot of emotion. Uh, but, yeah, ever since he's joined the Celtics, all I see is him smiling and uh, just telling great stories when he's being interviewed uh, at all times. You can do a lot worse than a blowout win in Sacramento. As many teams will find out this year, the beam will continue to be lit. Sacramento – uh, won their division last year. They'll be very tough again uh, going forward, but they're not a great defensive team. And I think the two toughest games of this road trip still loom ahead in Los Angeles with the Clippers, who are the best team in the West right now, and the Lakers, who are always tough at home. 
But Guillermo, the game against Golden State, we did not have Kristaps Porzingis, and some familiar problems came back. And again, this is what caused a lot of people on X to lose their minds on Tuesday night because the Celtics shot a ton of threes. They got up to a big lead. Then in the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, partly because they were targeting Steph Curry, who had five fouls, the ball stopped moving as much. Things slowed down. The team missed open shots. Jason Tatum, for whatever reason, maybe his ankle was hurt, uh, did not deliver. And the Celtics ended up losing the game in overtime. They're now 0-3 in overtime. And so after that game, a lot of fans were saying, are we going to see a repeat of the last two seasons? Because I believe, Guillermo, the reason why we lost in, in the finals in 22 and last year is because we were too predictable, too hard, too easy to guard late in games. And also, the three-point shot is not always there. you got to have something to be able to rely on. I think Porzingis is one of those things, and uh, you sure saw on Wednesday night what he can do for your team. Yeah, as I keep saying, I think this is a completely different team, and you can't lump them in with the teams of the past. And yes, they still should have won that game, being up with less than five minutes in the third quarter, up 17 points. But they just stopped playing Celtic basketball. I think the first three quarters, they were running. They were making quick decisions. And once they started to slow down and settle, then that's when they kind of got in trouble. But if they would have played like uh, last night versus the Kings and just keep running, keep taking great shots, and continue to defend, I think they would have routed the Warriors. But they allowed the Warriors to you know, creep back in when you have, you know, great three-point shooters like Thompson and Curry that always leaves leaves the window open for them to, you know, hit a couple and feel like they can bring it right back. And they continue to fight throughout that game, you know, bring it to within 10, bring it to, you know, a tie, bring it to a lead. Um, so they kept fighting and Joe was allowing the team to go out there and try to figure it out amongst themselves. Um, he didn't take the timeouts that he's been criticized for before. Um, you know, I, no, heard I was going to, I was going to uh, add that. I was yeah. going to add that because, you know, a, a familiar refrain from the Missoula haters is use your timeouts. Celtics yeah. played very good defense in the final minute of that game. They got a miss from Curry, and then they stole the ball from Curry. And they had the ball with about 11 seconds left, and they didn't call a timeout. And, you know, give credit to that young player, Jonathan Kaminga, for the Warriors, who played great defense on Tatum. But Tatum took a horrible shot. And, uh, you know, you just don't feel good in a place like Golden State going to overtime after you've forfeited a 17-point lead. Yeah, and that's tough, right? So they're out. They're without Green. They sat Wiggins because he was playing awful. And Podzemski got injured throughout that game. But we talked about it. And if we had Porzingis, again, which we shouldn't have needed for the Warriors game. But if we had Porzingis, then I think it's a night like versus the Kings where it's kind of a route. Uh, But 
Tracy Jack, uh, Jackson Davis stepped up big for them. I thought that was a great move by Kerr and the coaching staff uh, to put him in. He was electric. He blocked. He had great rebounding, um, kind of out-rebounded Kata a couple times. Yeah, so, you had mentioned him on our last show. I didn't really know who this kid was. Well, you know, he had a double-double. He had four offensive rebounds among his 13 boards. And the, the narrative that Joe Missoula had after the Warriors game, which probably drives a lot of the casuals, you know, angry and mad is, look, I'm happy with the shots we got. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, I would, we took those shots and we would do it again, but where we lost the game maybe was in the margins. And it's true that uh, Jackson Davis was one of the reasons why the Celtics lost the game because all those extra shots, those putbacks, and he did block Jalen Brown on at least one occasion. And you let the Warriors hang around, the Splash Brothers will come get you. They hit 12 threes, and that was that. The Celtics, though, they do have the best record in the NBA still. Uh, by virtue of Minnesota losing last night to Philadelphia, uh, we will talk about the Sixers in the next segment. But the Celtics do have the best record in the league. They now have a winning record on the road. And, you know, these game it's still december right there's a long way to go we think brad's still going to add a player but guillermo do you think that porzingis or no porzingis missoula and his team are still learning from these losses because i i think that's very possible if you look at the game last night there was no offensive rebounding spurt by the kings compared to what we saw with the warriors the Celtics were incredibly focused in quarters two, three, and four, and and they had a statement to make. Yeah, I think you always learn from both wins and losses. And for me, I think in the Warriors game, you should have just sat Tatum out. Just take him out. He's not going to be a great decoy. He's still going to want to take some shots and maybe force them. I think we saw – with against the Kings without Tatum, it's kind of a little bit more free flowing again, because he's injured, but it's more free flowing. More people have opportunities and we can run. He couldn't run. So we can run and place the Celtic basketball. We want to play. So I think that was one of the mistakes from the warrior game. I think KP could have definitely contributed, but that's fine. He shouldn't have played anyway. And I think, you can look back. I'm not worried about the history with the Warriors and them being, you know, the big brothers to the Celtics from the finals in 22. I'm more worried about kind of the in-game situation. So a timeout late there, sitting Tatum, who's injured, and kind of just doing different things that we haven't done in the past. One question I had for you was, how do you feel about players taking timeouts because that's not something we see a lot do you think Tatum and Brown should take some of that initiative late game or is that just something players don't think about they're just going to play I don't know uh I I think that there are situations particularly when there's a loose ball and you know you wonder you know has coach told them they can't call a timeout because there's Mm. sometimes particularly late in games where the ball's rolling around and you're like, anybody can call a timeout. I mean, you know, from the lounge seats, 
I've been tempted to call a timeout before because, <laughs> you know, we're pretty close to the court. It's like, guys, anybody can do it, right? I, I don't know about a situation like 11 seconds left in the fourth quarter that, you know, a player is going to call a timeout. I think yeah. they they just want to go because, you know, you don't want to give the defense time to set up or whatever the case may be. Um, Drew Holiday, and- if he wants to call a timeout, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely good with that. I get the whole defense setup, but you also have a ATO, so you're going to have an offense set up too. You're going to have a play drawn up to get good looks, you know? So I get not letting the defense set up, but also if you let your offense set up, you might just beat out the defense. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two schools of thought on that, and so far this season – we have failed in the clutch. I mean, that's, that's just, yeah. Uh, actually our winning percentage in games decided by five points or less. Yeah. I, I saw think we're that. about, I think we're about sixth or seventh in the league. It's, it's not yeah. a bad percentage, but some of the games that we have lost, uh, the Charlotte game, the golden state game, we certainly could have executed a little bit better down the stretch. And a lot of these other games, the focus is so good. We are winning in the margins, and we are hitting the threes. And, I mean, it's just we're blowing teams out, as we did last night. Uh, let's talk about Christmas now, shall we? Sure. Um, I, I uh, On my list this year, I put that I wanted some NBA Hoops basketball cards. By the way, the new 23-24 cards are out, Guillermo, NBA Hoops, and I've already bought – four boxes of them and I've only got two Wembies to show for it, but I have the Jordan Walsh rookie card. So I'm pretty yeah, happy baby. about that. Yeah. I, I, I did ask Santa for some more of those cards and um, Celtics gear and for my wife to let me fly back to Boston soon to see another game. <laughs> uh, the, the Celtics, if you were Santa Claus, um, what would you give some of these guys? And I'll just randomly throw out some players, and you tell me what you think they they need. Uh, okay. And I'll start with Jason Tatum. Mm. Jason Tatum, besides needing a healthy ankle, I think Santa should give him more leadership. I don't think he's been as big as a leader as Jalen Brown has been so far this season so lead by example and be a better leader is something that i want tatum to have from santa this year yeah i I want santa to give jason tatum and i i guess maybe more of the celtics not just tatum but especially tatum more maturity i think i'd like to see um him stop clapping his hands after every call he didn't get um, you know, some of the technicals, uh, just the whining, um, you know, he, he admires Kobe Bryant so much and he, he really, he looks so much like Kobe to me with the, the whining. And, you know, it, I think if he whined less, he'd get more calls. I'd mm. say maturity and calls is what I would give him. Let's, uh, let's go to Jalen. What would you give Jalen for Christmas? Man. That boy is hot right now. Um, boy, uh, I would just want to give him consistency. I mean, I don't know if that's something Santa can give, but 
man, if that guy can just stay consistent as he's been the last five or six games that we've been talking about, there's no way you're going to stop this Celtic team with a Tatum balling out and then Brown playing the way he is. So no, that's just, it. I mean, that's it. I mean, if if they're if both of them are at their best, watch yeah. out. Yeah. This one's a little too easy for me. I'm going to say that Santa should give him a left hand. Oh, next player. <laughs> next player, uh, Porzingis. What? I mean, this one's obvious, right? Yeah, health, 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 health. We need him healthy, whether it's the calf, the ankle, the foot, whatever it was before the season. Just keep those legs healthy. You know, no more bloody faces. We need that guy 100% intact, and he's definitely going to be someone to lead us, hopefully, to that promised land. Drew Holiday. Ooh, Drew Holiday, the hound dog. Um, Man, I just, I think as of late, I really like his offense. Like he's taking the shots and maybe we saw a lot of it versus the Kings because there was no Tatum. So he kind of had to take some of those shots too to contribute. But boy, just be consistent. And as far as making the rock, I think he's struggled offensively. Not leading the offense. I think he settles us down, makes the right decisions as a point guard. But I think scoring has been an issue for him this year. I think I'm going to give Drew Holiday a flak jacket. Mm. You know, like what Tom Brady would wear, you know, underneath his his uh, jersey. One of those padded vests. Sure, sure, yeah. Because... If he's going to be guarding Joel Embiid and Julius Randle and Zion Williamson or whoever, you know, when he's up for the challenge, he's he's taken some abuse, uh, and I think he might need a flak jacket. Derek White, boy, all star, all star, all star. That's what he deserves. Um, I've been voting for him and the the starting five for the Celtics to all be all stars. I think Derek White is definitely having the best year or one of the best years of his career. I mean, he's had 29 blocks in 24 games. Um, He's leading the league again in guards with blocks. I think he has like 24 steals as well. Like he's just out of this world. Great, great, great. He should. He deserves to be an All Star this year. Well, he does, but Santa can't give him an All Star thing. <laughs> um, I, I guess, uh, and Joe Mazzulla could be the coach of the All Stars, which means he would not get a vote in the reserves. So we've got to vote Derek in. He's playing well enough to be a starter, um, but I think if I were Santa, I would give Derek White a CD of Barry White, so that he could become a father again. Because I'll tell you what. <laughs> Every time he has a kid, he gets better. Okay? Yes, sir. Uh, we're running out of time, so let's go with Joe Missoula. Boy, uh, Coach, I just want to give him the courage and leadership to call those timeouts and not allow the team to figure it out on themselves. Babysit them right now. Show them what they need to do. And then as we go throughout the season, maybe towards the end of the season, allow it and see what happens then. I like I like the word courage 
courage and strength and his convictions. Stick to your guns, mm. Joe. Boston is behind you. Again, best record in NBA history through 100 games. Best record in the NBA right now, and that is with nine different starting lineups. So hope that Santa gives him the courage to stick with it. Well, when we come back, Lucky's list, including don't look over your shoulder, Celtics, but Joel Embiid and the Sixers aren't going anywhere. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo and I will be right back. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, everybody. Lucky's Lounge can be followed on X at Lucky's Lounge Pod, where we try to bring a little bit of sometimes levity, but mostly facts and and solid takes to the discourse, which is not what you've been seeing on X, I don't know, ever, Guillermo, especially (laughs) these last 48 hours as we've seen people vacillating between the Celtics are going out in the second round to nobody can beat them, uh, debates between... You know, we've got to have a Keda Cornet debate as if it's, you know, some great debate. Uh, and then, you know, it's just it's incredible. If if Elon Musk had a nickel for every stupid take on X, um, he'd be 10 times richer than he is right now. Yeah, it's uh, an emotional roller coaster when the Celtics lose and win. So uh, but the. The zero to a hundred is kind of crazy. You know, I saw some talk about who can we realistically get if we trade Tatum? Like, what are we even doing? Yeah. I mean, the the, the Tatum slander came out after the game. I mean, again, the guy played through a bad ankle injury. By the way, in that game, I think, Guillermo, I think he had eight assists and no turnovers. So, I mean, let's, let's stop the, let's just stop the stupidity. Sit down, shut your mouth, and enjoy uh, the Celtics. Or, you know, try to try to be a little bit more positive. Let's let's go into Lucky's list. Item number one: uh, our main Celtics update. And I don't have any good news for you there, Guillermo. The the Celtics went and played the Salt Lake City Stars, so Danny Ainge's uh, laboratory, and they lost by twenty three, one twenty two to ninety nine. The Stars shot 57% from the field, 50% from three. A couple of positives. Jordan Walsh had 19 points and hit three threes. And, uh, well, that was about it. So uh, not, not a good game for the for the main Celtics. Yeah, and even the game before they lost to the Austin Spurs on the 19th a couple of days ago. So back-to-back losses. They're now 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, not really focused on the record so much, just the player development. That's what is important. Um, and Davison had 22 and 10 assists with five rebounds in that game. So just give these guys minutes and allow them to make mistakes. It's all right. I, I like Walsh's game against Salt Lake. And, you know, watching that player that the Warriors had, that, that rookie center, who was so big against us, he was drafted 57th overall. A guy that played at a major program, Indiana, for four years, and he was drafted 20 spots behind this 19-year-old kid. So, you know, Brad swung for the fences with Walsh, and we know he's going to be a great defensive player, and and as we saw against Salt Lake, he's he's adding to the bag, as it were. But... uh, Wow, it would be nice to have 
one of those second round steals. Let's see what, what he can end up becoming. Item number two is a sad one, Guillermo. As we found out right after the win uh, against Orlando that Eric Montrose, the former North Carolina Tar Heel and first round draft choice of the Celtics, passed away at the age of 52. Guillermo, he only played with the Celtics a couple of years, and he wasn't a great player. He was very good at North Carolina, but he was a great human being, a, a philanthropist, uh, did a lot for children. I think he raised over a million dollars for a children's hospital, cancer causes, etc. He will be missed, Tar Heel Nation especially. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into his Celtic career or, or that draft pick because I would have had more to say about it before he passed away, but all to say that uh, Eric Montrose was a really good guy and a lot of people in Boston are, are saddened by this loss. Yeah, condolences to the family. Hearts go out to them um, too early to die. I think um, he contributed, like you said, on and off the court and a great man. So RIP to Eric Montrose. From one great man to uh, a great basketball player who's working on the man part, Ja Morant came <laughs> back right before the Warriors-Celtics game. And uh, TNT got their money's worth on Tuesday night because not only did you see the incredible shot by Steph Curry to uh, put us to sleep on Tuesday night, but a couple hours before that, Ja Morant came back from his 25-game suspension for flashing guns on the internet. And uh, all he did was, uh, I don't know his stat line, Guillermo, I think he had like 30 points or something like that yeah, on a minute's it. restriction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, how did how did Ja do against the Pelicans? I mean, I don't see a minutes restriction for him. He played 35 minutes, 34 points, six rebounds, eight assists, one block, two steals. He did have five turnovers uh, and was a plus 12. He was a plus 12 in a game that the Pelicans won one, excuse me, the Grizzlies beat the Pelicans 115 to 113. Taylor Jenkins said he was going to play him about 30, but he went 35. And oh, by the way, he had an incredible shot at the buzzer uh, for the game. He won the game for them. Marcus Smart came off the bench in street clothes to celebrate it. And the Grizzlies got a signature win that they badly needed. So, Guillermo, the question I have for you. The Grizzlies right now are 7-19, and 19, okay? Hmm. Huge win for them against the Pelicans. They are currently in 13th place in the West. And they are six and a half games out of the play-in with, what, 50-some-odd games to go? Marcus Smart's coming back soon. Do you think the Grizzlies, with this John Morant, who probably has had a lot of time for introspection and and self-reflection, can they make it to the play-in? I think they can. I mean, we saw them last year. They were the number two seed. I think, yeah, they're still dealing with injuries. I believe Rose is still injured. Uh, We talked about Marcus Smart. We know Brandon Clark is coming back from an injury. Um, Steven Adams is out for the year. Um, Tillman's out with an injury. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He came back. Um, If these guys can stay healthy, I think they can definitely make a run for the play-in. Um, it's going to be tough. I think there's some good teams, like I said, out West. You got Warriors, Suns, Rockets, Lakers. 
and that's from 8 to 11. I don't know who would drop out of that. Maybe the Rockets. Uh, it's going to be tough, but I think they can definitely make some noise out west. It's very possible. You know, Desmond Bain has been having a career year. You get Marcus Smart back. Uh, it's not going to be easy. They've got yeah. the Pacers next in Memphis. If they can win that game, build some momentum, you never know, Guillermo. Item number four on Lucky's list, it is the Philadelphia 76ers. As I said, the Celtics still have the best record in the league, thanks to Joel Embiid, who had 51 last night as the 76ers shredded the NBA's number one defense. They put up 127 on the Timberwolves, Guillermo, and there is no question, just like Joel put up 50 on us last year to cement his MVP candidacy, he is in the lead right now at the quarter pole for the MVP race. And the 76ers, they're only two games behind us, Guillermo. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Good for him to be in the MVP race. I think he's always going to put up numbers uh, because of his size and, you know, being the main guy on a prominent team. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they're keeping, you know, track with the Celtics to a certain extent in the standings. But we look at their schedule at post the Celtics loss. It was Wizards, Hawks, Wizards, Pistons, Pistons, Hornets, and they lost to the Bulls before they beat the Timberwolves. So, yeah, great win, but I don't think they've played enough quality teams to really, you know, make a statement. I think, yeah, beating the Timberwolves, that's a statement. That's great. Uh, Maxie had 35 points, and Embiid says he should be an all-star starter. But I still don't see them scaring the Celtics they know we're the best team, and we're still going to dominate them. Embiid and Maxi, as you pointed out, combined for 86 points last night. And I think the narrative that the Celtics have the best duo in the NBA is going to fade. And maybe, hopefully, hopefully that narrative goes to the 76ers. Because there's nothing more irrelevant to me than who the best duo is. I don't give a crap about who the best duo is. This ain't two-on-two. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, Billy Hoyle and, and uh, you know, Sydney down at Venice Beach. Okay, it's five on five. And I'd, I'd rather talk about the best five-man lineup. But uh, as we saw against the Bulls, you could have a lot of production from those two and not a whole lot from everybody else. And, uh, you know, it, it takes balance, and I think the Celtics have it. But we'll have to keep an eye on that. What you said about Maxi, though, is a great segue into our next item on Lucky's List, which is all-star voting is now going on. So get your burner accounts going because fan voting has started, everybody. And I think it's a safe bet that Jalen and Jason are going to get an opportunity to go to Indianapolis for this game. But it would be an absolute crime, okay, if Derek White was not there with them. Yeah, for me, I've been voting the last two days for all the Celtics starting five. Holiday, White, Porzingis, Brown, Tatum. Yes, I'm biased. Um, And then I switched up my Western Conference voting. Uh, I first went with Durant, Joker, James. 
Fox. Who, James who? James Harden? Uh, LeBron James. What? Uh, Get that. <laughs> listen, he's all, he's going to start regardless, so it doesn't matter. Um, but I went with Well, then Fo- don't vote for him then, if he's going to start regardless. <laughs> I went with Fox and Edwards on my first go-around, and then my, sex, my second go-around, I went with Doncic and Curry after he put us to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still having nightmares over that. Well, get out there. <laughs> you know how it works. You got to put your email address in so you can get your account or whatever. Get about 10 accounts and just continue. It's like, you know, the old Oakland Athletics, you know, in the parking lot of the Coliseum, people had coat hangers and they were just pushing them through for their players. Uh, you know, for the fan voting, you used to have those little dot matrix, you know, those little kind of, you have the hanging chads where you could kind of stick a pen through it or a pencil and people mm-hmm. were using coat hangers. We got to have our internet coat hangers and, and get out there and, and get out. It's, it's like the democratic party vote early, vote often, get as many votes as you can in there. Um, <laughs> because Derek white deserves to go people next item on the list. Uh, it's not a good one for the New York Knickerbockers. Mitchell Robinson originally thought to be out eight to 10 weeks. The Knicks have put in for an injury exception for him, Guillermo. That means he's out for the year. Mitchell Robinson, such a critical part of the Tom Thibodeau system. And just when the Knicks were starting to rack up some wins, this is bad news for New York. Um, yeah, they did beat the Nets uh, 121 to 102. They've been playing well as of late. They've also kind of hung in the standings. Fifth in the standings right now, 16 and 11 with the two game winning streak, five games behind the Celtics. But yeah, at I mean, the end they've... of the day, they still don't scare me with Robinson without him. Yeah, and before the Nets, they were they beat the Lakers in Los Angeles. Isaiah Hartenstein in that game, 17 rebounds. They're going to need him to keep playing well. The Celtics have already beaten them three out of three in the season series. But uh, without Mitchell Robinson, it may get a little bit tougher for the Knicks, although they are playing pretty well. They still uh, got Jericho. Net- they got Jericho Sims, and he plays pretty decent as well. Yeah. Our next item on Lucky's list uh, involves another team in the Eastern Conference. Tomorrow night, Guillermo, at uh, Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan, the Pistons – will be hosting the Jazz. This is not, you know, a league pass special by any means. But what is significant about this game is that the Pistons, should the Jazz pull off the win, and they are favored by a point and a half, uh, the Pistons will lose their 25th consecutive game. The NBA record, as we've talked about, is 26. Yeah, that's looking bad for the Pistons. Looking beyond their schedule there, they got a back-to-back somewhat against the Nets, a home-and-home, and then playing the Celtics on the 28th. So I really don't see a win coming up in their future if they can't beat the Jazz. Yeah, it's a critical game for the Pistons because uh, Brooklyn is probably above their level right now, and then you know you would hate to be going into Boston Garden with a 27-game Losing streak. The all-time record for consecutive regular season losses over two seasons is 28, which the 76ers set uh, over the end of one and beginning of another in the uh, 
in the Hinky era there. Final item on Lucky's list tonight involves another team out east. We like to give you the Eastern Conference update. It involves the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Celtics just swept them in a two-gamer, won the season series. Cavs uh, going through some injuries right now, right? Evan Mobley is out. Uh, Ricky Rubio is out. They're talking about getting rid of him. Um, they've had other guys hurt. Um, and so Donovan Mitchell really hasn't had the full cast of characters. They just lost Garland. Darius Garland is out for several weeks now, apparently. And so, you know, Mitchell's having to do a lot, carry a heavy load. And there's speculation that he may try to go to the Knicks or the Nets, you know, maybe, maybe the Cavs will be forced to trade him because next year is the last year of his deal. Uh, but you've got an, an item on that, don't you, Guillermo? Yeah, so the report is the Cavs are not willing to or not looking to move Mitchell right now. Uh, I think as the season goes, especially around February, I think that'll start to heat up. But Jared Allen of the Cavs has been drawing interest um, by playoff contenders such as the Pelicans. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, I, I think I really like the Cavaliers coach, and I think they do have a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, once Garland comes back, I think they can make some noise because if they have Mobley and Garland, I think they'll be all right. Well, let's close this out by looking at the next two games on this road trip. I sort of knew that they weren't going to sweep this road trip. By the way, uh, last year's road trip, um, you know, it was very similar. The Celtics had a very similar record last year when they went out for their first West Coast swing. They were something like well, Noah Dalzell, uh, who is a reporter for uh, Celtics blog, and she she tweeted out that last year the Celtics started out with an identical record to this year before they went out West. And I actually remember this because I was at the game in Golden State last year when Steph Curry and the Warriors shredded us. And after that game, the Celtics then lost to the Clippers. They beat the Lakers in overtime. And then they lost both games to the Magic, the Deuce game and whatnot. And then they lost to the Pacers. So they lost five out of six after that, after starting 20-4. and four. The win against Sacramento is huge, Guillermo. It is it is a a big big deal because you know we did not lose again after Golden State like we did last year. But we have two tough games ahead. The Los Angeles Clippers are the toughest team in the West right now. They they handled Dallas quite easily last night in Dallas. I think they've won eight or nine in a row since they've sent Russell Westbrook to the bench. And then you got the Lakers, who are always tough and will be extra motivated to play the Celtics at home on Christmas. How do you think this is going to shake out? We got about a minute to talk about this. Yeah, so the Clippers, yeah, 9 0 uh, streak that they're on right now, nine game winning streak. That's going to be a challenging game, especially the way those guys have played as of late. Um, that's going to be fun and exciting to watch. Um, and the Laker game, like you said, on Christmas, they're on a three-game losing streak, but, I mean, they're they're always going to be a challenge. I'm looking for the Celtics to sweep in L.A. and, like I said, be coming home 3-1 and one on this road trip. So they got to show out like they did against the Kings. 
Well, the Clippers will be tough. On this current trajectory, they should easily win the Pacific and, and maybe looking at a top three seed in the West. We'll see what the Celtics have to say about that. Please, uh, when you say your prayers uh, tonight, pray for Jason Tatum's ankle and Christophe Porzingis' legs. And we will see you probably right after Christmas to talk about these two games in Los Angeles. But for now, the Celtics continue to ride high. Thank you for listening to Lucky's Lounge. For Guillermo Diaz, I'm Captain Ron Flanders. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas.